1: Good afternoon, everybody. It's 4.06 in the Rocky Mountain West. This is the Around the House program, and we are glad you're with us. Thanks for sharing your, your weekend with us. This is uh, our 29th year now doing Around the House, talking about that special place that you and I call home, and we're, we're glad you're with us. We've got some... Uh, little. I'll give you a little rundown of the show today. At 4.30, my old buddy Brian from Eaglecrest Crest will be here right in the middle of the winter heating season. Shannon and I were talking, it's going to be down around zero uh, some uh, later on this week, and so, uh, actually next week, and so we've got to make sure our furnaces are working well, and Brian will be here to talk about that, and, uh, and issues with heating and air conditioning, if you're so inclined, and how to get more bang for the buck with these high natural gas prices, so we'll do that at 4.30. Um, nuclear power, we started talking about it last week, and there's a new... Wyoming is getting into the nuclear power business. I want to spend some time talking about that, too. And and, uh, we'll have some, uh, hopefully it'll be uh, informative, what's going on. Pueblo, we started talking last week about Pueblo getting in nuclear power. There's a push down there to do it, and now Wyoming. So uh, good news if you're a climate change person and uh, you, you know nuclear power is really the only way out of climate change issues and all that. So we'll talk about that later on in the program. Let's see what else. So John Creddy will be with us next Saturday, a week from today. What is that, February, uh, what is it, 1, 2, 3, 4, fifth, I guess, next Saturday uh, at, at 4.30, talking about spring gardening. I thought it might put us in a good mood to be able to talk about maybe, maybe coming up uh, gardening issues that we can start planning for, maybe the seed catalogs and maybe ordering some things to, to facilitate our spring gardening. So we'll talk about that. John's always a a great guest. We enjoy him on the program. He's been coming on the air with me now for, gosh, I don't know, 10 or 15 years, I guess. We go back to the old days uh, uh, back in the early 90s when we did back-to-back shows on Saturday. John was a fixture in Denver Radio starting in about 1980, and he knows his stuff. He's a, a really horticulturist, gardening expert. Gardening with an altitude guy, living on the western slope now, but he's kind enough to donate some time here on around the house, and that's eh, we're good. We're, we're delighted to have John with us. That'll be next Saturday at 4.30, but coming up right now, uh, or at least in, in one more segment at 4.30, we're going to have Brian from Eagle Crest talking about heating and furnaces and air conditioning and, and all that. Here's um, I wish I knew who sent this to me. We did some dog. We did some dear God letters from dogs last week. Here's some cat quotes that you might that you might get a kick out of. Your, I'm a cat person, and as I said before, so you might get a kick out of some of these. Let's see. Uh, there is no snooze button on a cat who wants breakfast. Absolutely, you got to get up and do it. Thousands of years ago, cats were worshipped as gods. Cats have never forgotten this. Yeah, Egypt, I think, worshipped worshipped cats. And I think. Some cats have been found mummified, as I uh, recall. Let's see. Cats are smarter than dogs. You can't get eight cats to pull a sled through the snow, no matter how hard you try. As every cat owner knows, nobody owns a cat. Uh, Ernest, Ernest Hemingway said this. One cat just leads to another. Yeah. Dogs come when they're called. Cats take a message, and I'll get back to you later. Cats are rather delicate creatures, and they are subject to a good many ailments, but I've never heard of one who suffered from insomnia. That's Joseph Wood, whoever he is. People that hate cats will come back as mice in their in their afterlife. Let's see here. Some people say that cats are sneaky, evil, and cruel. True, and they have many other fine qualities as well. Cats seem to go on the principle that it never does any harm to ask for what you want. Yeah, that, yeah I like that. Let's see, an, an anonymous quote here. I got rid of my husband. The cat was was allergic. My husband said it was him or the cat. I miss him sometimes. And um, we know which one she misses. Cats aren't clean. They're just covered with cat spit. Absolutely. Absolutely. But what a, Was it Jerry Seinfeld used to do a whole bit on or Steve Martin, I guess, did a bit on, on his. Cat. He got a cat, and it was every day when he came home from work, he had to give the cat a bath. The cat was so demanding, and he said, and "I didn't mind it that much, but getting the fur off my tongue was really difficult." That was, I think, that was. It sounds like Steve Martin, doesn't it? A couple more of these. Cats always seem so very wise when staring with their half-closed eyes. Can they be thinking, "I'll be nice," and maybe? She'll feed me twice. I guess that's a little poem there. That's from Bette Midler. Let's see, finally, uh, Henry Morgan, who was kind of an intellectual comedian back in the 50s. People with insufficient personalities are fond of cats. These people adore being ignored. Uh, And uh, let's see, I think that may be it. Anyway, 303-713-8255 is our contact line we're glad you're with us here on the show I got I wanted to share this with you I um, I, I just found a little product on Amazon I, I just can't wait to tell you about I, if you're like me you've got cans of old paint in your garage and varnish and deck stain and uh, other things that you you know you don't throw it away if you paint a room or or paint your house or stain the deck whatever's left over in the can you hang on to it and keep it in the garage and as long as paint doesn't freeze you're fine and your garage, I'm sure, like with mine, it doesn't get much below about 45 or so at the, on the coldest nights. But anyway, when you open up, you want to do some touch-up, and I uh, did some, I was putting up my Christmas lights, and I noticed some p- p- parts of the trim that needed to be touched up again, kind of a brick red trim on my house. And and I opened the can, and of course, it had all separated and settled out, and, and it just looked, didn't look like paint, of course, all the all the pigment was on the bottom and all the all the carriers were on the top and so I got out my paint stick and just stirred and stirred and stirred and then I then I rigged up and I saw this somewhere I don't know where I saw this maybe on Facebook you take a plastic coat hanger and cut it in half and it makes a a kind of a half-baked paint stirrer that you can put in your electric drill but it's off-center it's not well balanced and so it vibrates like crazy and I tried that for a while and so I said, "What about good old Amazon?" So I went on Amazon and I found this little paint stirrer. It's bright red. It it's got a bunch of little veins in it. It's about an inch in diameter. Fits in the electric drill, and it does a great job. It was five dollars and fifty-nine cents, I think. And I am so I'm going to throw all my paint stirrers away because this thing is really great, and it just does it in no time. And I don't know why, I'm sure you you may have one of your own at home, but I wanted to share that with you in case you don't, because wooden paint stirrers, the paddle paint stirrers, they're okay, but if the paint's been sitting around for more than a few months, you get that separation going on, it's so hard to get back to the original consistency. So a drilled paint stirrer was just the thing on Amazon, and I'm just... So delighted I got it, but that—that's just a little sidebar here. I did a couple of chores this week that I wanted to also share with you, and uh, one involves cleaning the dishwasher. And uh, I—we had talked about this some time ago, and I—I I don't know—I just got an impulse to clean my dishwasher, and I wanted—we'll do this after the break. I wanted to share that with you, and also I did a, a little furnace maintenance, and we can uh, talk about this in. Uh, in celebration or in commemoration or something of Brian's visit in about 20 minutes or so Uh, but I wanted to share with you a little furnace thing I did that you might want to do yourself this weekend so dishwashers and furnaces chores that need to be done once in a while and uh, we'll share that uh, with you and take your phone calls right after we take this break 303-713-8255 give us a call right here on Around the House
2: from your faucet to your furnace. Ken Moon has solutions around the house.
1: 19 minutes after 4, good to have you with us on the Around the House program. Brian from Eagle Crest will be here uh, in our segment 3 which begins about 4:35 eh, or so. And speak of the devil, we have a commercial for him and I just wanted to really quickly put the word in for for uh, for him and his company on those Aprilaire Model 600 humidifiers now he's tell, told me that you know here we go again supply chain issues that um, uh, that uh, they, they've been a little slow in arriving and they're a little behind but get on the list for that model six hundred April air it's it's uh, five hundred and sixty five dollars installed complete and I and have one in my house and you will love it if you need more humidity in your life and who doesn't in the wintertime you will just love your April Air model six hundred It takes charge of the furnace and it uh, turns that blower on and off when you need humidity. And self-cleaning, no moving parts, is terrific. And uh, I have one, as I say, I put it in. He sold it to me because I'd like to do that kind of thing myself, but he'll put it in for you. A turnkey deal, you know, the, the humidifier and the installation for only 565 So give him a call at 303-451-5607. And if you want a $50 gift card for any of Brian's services, uh, don't hesitate. Just send me an email at aroundthehouse.com second button from the left and I will be delighted to forward it on to Brian and uh, and he'll get it uh, he'll get it to you actually his wife uh, Peggy sends those out and it'll give you a $50 incentive to use Eagle Crest so whatever you need when you need it but only what you need since 1983 for heating and air conditioning uh, and a little plumbing, too. Uh, that's Eagle Crest. They're my Denver-based heating contractor, so give them a call, 303-451-5607. Well, I started to talk about a couple of chores I did around the house. In my furnace, I did what I'd I've, I've been putting off for a while. I don't know why I put it off, but something I want you to maybe think about, and uh, that is to change your filter. And, uh, you know, I, I do that, try to do that every, oh, I don't know, month or so, maybe a little five or six weeks at the most. So i changed that and while I was in there, I cleaned that little flame sensor and Brian and I have talked about this in the past. And I did this because I knew it, I hadn't done it in several years. There's a little steel rod in your furnace. Uh, it's about the, Oh, it's a little bigger around than a pencil lead, maybe an eighth inch in diameter or so that sticks up into the area where the flames are so that, if the, for some reason or other the burners don't light, instead of gas continuing to pour into the furnace, the computer just shuts the furnace down uh, altogether. So uh, it, the flame sensor has to be proofed, they call it, with the computer. In other words, it has to it has to heat up really quickly or the burners will go off and, uh, and that computer watches out for that. But the flame sensor gets scale on it. It gets dirty. Uh, kind of white colored scale and you really need to clean it and it probably once a year would be a good uh, a good benchmark to clean your flame sensor and it's very easy to do you have to first have to locate it and it as I say it just sticks up if you look to turn your furnace off of course take the cover off and if you look where those with those flames actually uh, impinge that blow into the inside of the furnace you'll see a little a little rod sticking up usually at an angle uh, on the left-hand side, typically, the farthest side from the from the little igniter, and that's the flame sensor. It needs to be cleaned once in a while, and it's easy to do with it. I used a little plumber's emery uh, fine uh, paper, a uh, sandpaper. You can use, I even had an old heating contractor tell me one time that a dollar bill, because of the threads in it, is just coarse enough to clean the flame sensor. So, yeah, I, I did mine with, a, as I say, a little plumber's emery paper, just scratch it up and down a little bit and blow it off just to make sure it's kind of shines it up a little bit and removes that scale. Because if, if it develops too much scale, then it won't be hot enough and the computer will see it and shut the furnace down and you'll have a, you'll have a cold morning on your hands. So clean the flame sensor once in a while and then change that furnace filter. So I did that. And also you can check your humidifier. We just talked about the April Air model 600 humidifiers and uh, you, you can check those once in a while uh check check that out and make sure there's not too much scale there and uh, and, and just simply tape the cover off your humidifier and uh, and you'll see that screen there and usually uh, in most city water situations, it doesn't get jammed up with minerals uh, for at least a, one heating season. I change mine once a year at the beginning of each heating season. Now if you're out in the country and have a well or a, a small community uh, system, where, uh, you know, there's a lot of minerals and, and contaminants in the water, then that might not be true. You might need to change that maybe one more time halfway through the heating season. But just check it out and make sure that you can kind of see through it. It isn't all gummed up with, with minerals. So take the cover off and just and just check it out and look it over with a flashlight. And, and that's about it. Just keep your eye on it and stuff. Make sure it's nice, it's nice and clean. So that's kind of the... The situation with the minor furnace chores you need to do. We can talk more about, about that with with Brian when he comes uh, when he joins us here in about ten minutes or so. The other chore I did, which is something that you, you really I'll bet you haven't done this in a long time, and I wouldn't blame you because it's not something you think about a lot, and it's that's a little bit disgusting, not not too bad, is clean out the bottom of your dishwasher. I don't care how much rinsing you do of the plates and bowls that you put in your dishwasher you get an accumulation of crud inside that area where the pump and the screen is that you can't see it's the area right below that rotating spray arm and now all dishwashers uh, aren't the same but I have a Frigidaire and I'll tell you how I how I did mine and I was amazed at how much junk and crud it accumulated in the places you can't see at the bottom of your dishwasher so I pulled out the the bottom rack and set it to one side, of course. And then there's a couple little clips that allow you to just lift lift that spray arm straight up and out, and uh, and and that'll give you access to the uh, the underneath parts of your dishwasher. Then there's a little screen that you usually have to rotate to the left or the to the right. It'll pop out, and eventually uh, you'll the, the the big screen on the floor of the dishwasher. You would usually is a large diameter round screen you can pull that out and you'll get access to all that under under the floor if you will plumbing in your dishwasher and uh, trust me it'll be full of junk and crud and gr- kind of gray slimy material in there as i say no matter how scrupulous you are in cleaning out your dishwasher and cleaning off your dishes so you need to clean all that out and i you know, i just used a bunch of paper towel and sprayed with a little windex and Uh, And uh, and just scooped it all out you you can use a turkey baster sometimes that's helpful because there's a water reservoir Under there, but just clean all those parts out and make sure it stays. It's nice and clean and you need to do that at least once a year so uh, uh, That's just something I want you to pay attention to because that's all unsanitary You know you don't do your dishes every day or at least you don't most people don't and so that's an area for bacteria to fester in there in that warm wet environment under the screen of your dishwasher so uh, I want you to clean all that out and then what I did uh, and then uh, what I did is um, uh, I ran, I, I, instead of putting it all back together I left the, the rack out and the arm out and ran the rinse and hold cycle for two or three minutes just so it would pump out all the crud that I couldn't get to and then opened it up and nice and clean all that big reservoir there at the bottom is ready to ready to go and uh, all cleaned out and ready for another bunch of cycles. So, bottom of the dishwasher, it's important to get that cleaned out once in a while because it's just, uh, trust me, there's going to be a lot of if you haven't ever done this, you'll be amazed how much stuff gets down there. Even little pieces of thread from dish rags and even some hair perhaps maybe you're you know you're do a pet bowl in there and there's hair on the bowl. That's that sort of thing. All of that crap uh, gets accumulated down there uh, under that screened area and gets hung up down there. And so you want to get that cleaned out. You can use, as I say, a turkey baster to get it nice and clean. And then your dishwasher will be squeaky clean, ready to go for another several months' worth of cycles. But I'd say you need to do that every couple of years would be a, a good recommendation just because of the accumulation of crud in that dishwasher of yours. Three zero three We'll be back with Brian from... Eagle Crest to talk about heating and air conditioning right after this.
2: Got a fix-it problem at your house? Ken Moon can help. Call 303-713-TALK. That's 303-713-8255. 26
1: minutes before 5 o'clock on the Around the House program and we have brian piles on the uh, line with us our buddy uh, heating and air conditioning buddy that has a, a company called eagle crest and they're a denver metro area i know have, i have a big audience brian down in the springs and they, you know they wish you'd come down there i know you once in a while you might but you're a denver and it's hard it's hard to keep up in a denver metro area just because there's so many places to go geography is a big deal isn't it
3: yes it is it's a lot of a lot of area to
1: cover Well, do you? I mean, for a company uh, you know uh, like yours, you have to do a geographical loop. I assume Uh, you can't just you can't be going from Thornton to Castle Rock to uh, to Golden uh, and make any money. So, is that how you kind of organize yourself?
3: You know, we've kind of done things kind of conventional. I think it's a little different than most uh, companies might do it. We pretty much decided that we're way ahead if we just pretty much decide we're going to do a loop all the way around the metro area every day okay. and uh that's pretty much the way it goes sometimes we'll sit down on the map we'll go clockwise and next day we'll go counterclockwise just kind of depends <laughs> on where people need us but that way when somebody calls they have a broken furnace they don't have to wait for an appointment two three days out yeah and we're likely going to see them that day because we're planning on being that direction anyway so we just kind well, of lay them all out on a map for the day and go from one to the next one, whoever's closest, and uh, works out pretty well. We see a
1: lot of people that way. That's good. I've I got a couple of emails I wanted to share. By the way, if you want to ask any questions about he- heating and air conditioning and airflow, you got the kids are complaining about cold bedrooms. Brian's, Brian's the man. You can give us a call. He'll, we'll kick things around at 303-713-8255. As you know, we, I don't think we've talked about the sexy thermostats that people seem to have these days, the Nest thermostat, the Lux. Thermostat, uh, and um, I got an email this week from uh, from a guy that has a Lux, L U X, and of course it's the, what we used to call the I think time constant, it, it, the the swing, is uh, is variable. You can adjust it on a Lux, and he said, "Well, I got it set for one degree, you know, plus or minus one degree, but you can go all the way up to two or three degrees or something." And he said, "What do you recommend?" And I to I knew I'd save that question for you, but uh, explain to, to the audience what the swing is and what's an ideal swing. Because I was looking at my thermostat. I have a Honeywell. It's not adjustable, and it's plus or minus uh, one degree. What do you think about that, uh, Brian? Um,
3: yeah, I, if you if you adjust it and you adjust it too close, it tends to be the furnace will turn on and off a lot. It will kind of short cycle, or people will think it's short cycling, because they're just trying to hit that one precise temperature, and I guess... A lot of times I'll tell people, you got to remember NASA did not build your thermostat. So there's a pretty good chance you're going to uh, not be able to hit that precise temperature. There's always going to be some fluctuation. you got drafts by the thermostat. Maybe you're too close to the heat vent. Uh, you know, all houses are a little drafty. So I kind of like that 2 to 3 degree range if you can adjust it so that uh, you don't see that. So that means you might set your thermostat at 68. and and maybe the house will go to 69 before it actually shuts off, and maybe it'll drop down to 67, 66 before it turns back on. So it's kind of a personal preference. Some people don't like that things turning on and off so frequently.
1: Is there more wear and tear on a furnace if it turns on and off more often?
3: That's really uh, not something that I've ever uh, given much thought to. Uh, it's, It's not very hard. For you know a, a furnace that's in good condition to start and stop, but um, yeah, it could be considered a little inefficient. Um, did
1: the Did the Lux it's people
3: uh, pay in for what you're comfortable with?
1: Do the Lux people come up with this variable adjustable swing to just is it like a uh, kind of a bell, one of the bells and whistles that makes our thermostat more intriguing kind of thing, or is it something that can be really useful? I it doesn't seem to me like it does a whole lot, but uh, that's just me. What do you think?
3: I think you'd have to have a completely airtight house, kind of a real very controlled environment in order for it to work the way they claim it will work. Um, it's just going to be too much fluctuation with that um, high uh, differential settings on it. You know, some of the other thermostats they', like the nest, for example, it'll try to anticipate your lifestyle. It'll kind of observe what you're doing and then it'll kind of decide, well, I I think I ought to do this, and I think that's what's going to get you what you're looking for. But it usually doesn't do a very good job of of, uh, anticipating what you want, and people get real frustrated with them not being able to get them to control the way they want. So I'm not a real big fan of a lot of the Wi-Fi Nest thermostats and stuff, but I understand the thrill. You get to turn your furnace on and off with your phone, and... That's a real advantage, of course, if you're a thousand miles away or something. but um, they can be fairly problematic. and if uh, you don't have all the components in place to wire that thing properly, they just don't really do what you want.
1: yeah, the uh, I've got this Honeywell touchscreen that I kind of really like it. it uh, you and I've talked about this before you yeah. you told me how to wire it to get that high low gas valve thing uh, going and. Uh, and I really I do like it. and it has a feature which I turned off it's it's it's, it's called it's some kind of they've got a trade name for it. it's a learning function you're you're absolutely That's right. It. yeah, looks at your habits and how when you get up and what do you set things at and tries to anticipate that. and it drove me nuts because uh, you know I, all of a sudden I'd in the middle of the night the furnace would be Cranking away at 4:45 in the morning, and you know, and, and and staying on too late in the middle of the night and stuff. I, I just didn't like it at all, so I I turned it off. That, that'd
3: um, be what I would do. That's uh, I, I just I don't know. It's too hard to anticipate what I want. I think I can't decide myself, let alone that little box on the wall. Yeah.
1: Anyway, well, I'll tell this guy uh, to, to 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 experiment with two or three degree. So with the lux, what happens if you set it on? Let's say you set it at 70. Uh, the furnace, if you have the two-degree, if you cho- choose the two-degree toggle, if you will, then the, am I right? The furnace won't come on until the house gets to 68, and then it'll go off when the house gets to 72. Is that kind of how it works?
3: Yeah. That, that could be
1: considered a three-degree range. Okay. Well, so, yeah, I, I would not want the furnace coming on and off any more often than necessary. Now, as I say, my Honeywell has a plus or minus one degree, and I, I don't even notice it. I, I kind of like it, and... Uh, uh, so I'm happy with it. Uh, if you want to talk to Brian about your furnace or anything to do with heating, 303-713-8255. Uh, you sent me a little email of some topics that we might uh, k- kick around, and this is one of my favorites: the 80 versus 90, uh, 90% plus furnaces. And you and I have talked about this um, uh, before. I'm not a huge fan of the high efficiency furnaces, and uh, and I know you you you. You like to sell them. I mean, why wouldn't you? But uh, it depends on the circumstances You want to take us through that? They aren't necessarily the answer for everybody. The 90 percent, 90 percent plus furnaces are they?
3: No, I I got to look at a house pretty careful before I uh, recommend a 90 percent. It's too many things to think about, and, and people I think over anticipate their savings. This seems to be one of the. Biggest things I, I come across is they think, well, I'm going to buy the 90 because it's what's going to pay for itself in just a few years. Well, I kind of look at the price of gas, and I know it's higher now. But for example, if you were to take take a look at the numbers from um, like uh, 2019, or I think maybe maybe I got 2022. Anyway, if you figure if you can figure out how much of your gas bill is just your furnace, and they've send out some numbers that uh, an average home at 2,000 square feet with uh, here in Colorado, you might save uh, 7 $8 a month for five or six or seven months a year.
4: Well, that's right.
3: Okay. Um, and so maybe $50, $60 bucks a year. Okay. Now, uh, if, you, if it... Goes for ten years. Okay, you finally save six hundred dollars. But what they don't seem to mention sometimes is the additional cost to maintain a ninety percent efficient furnace over an eighty percent efficient furnace. So that will easily consume
1: all your savings. Well, how about the initial cost? Is it are they four or five hundred bucks more, Brian?
3: Um, sometimes a little bit more than that depends on some of the other features that you might try to select. Um, sometimes it's spend a quarter, save a nickel.
4: Yeah, so yeah. you've got to
3: be real careful, and sometimes those savings are not always um, advertised as realistic. Uh, and the shorter life of a 90% efficient furnace, we find they don't last anywhere near as long as an 80%, and that's due to the, the condensing section in the furnace mainly.
1: Because that's, that's, that's high acid. Uh, liquids you're running around in there and stuff, right? And that's part yeah, of it.
3: so when you burn your gas, the residuals ends up being a, a condensate water that comes out of that furnace. And unfortunately, we found that a lot of places where somebody has put in that 90% efficient furnace, not considering the fact that maybe that house was built maybe in the 70s and they got cast iron drains. When I were dumping acidic condensate water down that cast iron drain and we're eating a hole in that, in that cast iron drain in their pipe. So not, not,
1: not, not to mention septic systems, which you oh, would not right. want to run it uh, they into. Can put a neutralizer
3: in that line, but once again, yeah. now that requires yearly maintenance in yeah. order to neutralize that condensate water. So there's another added expense to having a 90.
1: 90- Back in the, the back 80s, in the 80s, I think it was Brian. I'm you know the, the decades merged together when energy was you know even a more of an obsession than it is today. They were talking about 95 percent furnaces. Do we talk about those anymore? Or are they kind of gone? 95 percent? Yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, when I say I, I just round it to 80 or 90. Basically, uh, when we do put in a 90, it's about 96 percent efficient. Okay. All right.
1: Gotcha. Oh, oh, because of our high elevation. Yeah okay, yeah, very and good.
3: The, the eighty is about eighty six percent efficient.
1: All right, well, now see, I've learned something already. that's <laughs> that's good what
3: elevation you're at, but I've always just say you got an eighty percent or a ninety percent?
1: Yeah, very good. Yeah, and
3: something else and, to remember, if you're not maintaining your ninety or ninety six percent efficient furnace, it rapidly becomes more like an eighty or seventy percent efficient furnace. As soon as that condensing section is dirty, which requires a pretty constant maintenance. It's not anywhere near as efficient as it was when it was first installed.
1: You know, that you put a ream in for me, that two-stage ream, for, in 2000, I think it was 2013, which is That's coming up right. to, what, nine years, and it just sits there and chugs away. It, it, you know, How I don't know if you heard me. Broke? What's that? How many times has it broke? Uh, zero, uh, okay. actually, and except one time... I was putting in the humidifier you sold me, and I <laughs> and I zapped the fuse in the right. little computer in the furnace. I think I called you because that next morning I was pretty cold, but that was my fault. But no, it's just trouble-free. And you, I don't know if you told me tell the audience I cleaned my flame sensor yeah. this week, and um, which is the only thing. Listen, in nine years that's all I've had to do. Big deal, right? So, right. so yeah, it's a, maintenance. Ream is a is a good brand, and I. When people, uh, I get lots of emails during the week about, you know, this and that, and when people want a water heater recommendation, I always recommend the uh, Areem uh, water heater because they just, I, an old plumber friend of mine that I knew down in Colorado Springs said that when he replaces a, a well-known plumbing company, well, I'll tell you, it's Jolly Plumbing, they're good people, oh, yeah. and he said, okay. whenever I get a water heater that's kind of on the old side, uh, I'm, I'm 90% of the time, I guess it's a ream, and it, and it is 90% of the time, because reams just seem to last longer. So uh, I think it's a pretty good brand when you consider cost versus longevity. I think it's a, it's a pretty good pretty good situation to have a, a ream in your house. So
3: I've always based it on what do I have to work on the most over all the years, and it's always yeah. reams been the, the uh, easiest. Easiest to work on, less problematic than the others, and so I've just... Be- It's become my favorite. Everybody's got their favorite, but I do like something that I can put in. I don't have to keep going and working on
1: it. Well, listen, I need to take a break. We'll be back with Brian uh, from Eagle Crest right after this, right here on Around the House. Give us a call, 713-8255, and we'll be right back.
2: Need advice on your next home project? Back to Around the House with Ken Moon.
1: Nine minutes before 5 o'clock, we're talking to Brian Piles, who's the the main guy at Eagle Crest Heating and Air Conditioning. And um, we've got a call from Jim in the Springs listening on KRDO. Hi, you're on the air. Hello, Jim.
4: Hi, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I I have a a shed that I built, and I've turned it into sort of a man cave. I have four daughters and a wife. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm looking for a, uh, I love it. Um, I guess a natural gas heater to warm it. It's about 160 square feet. Do have like a vaulted-type ceiling in it. Um, I was looking at, like, they have like the Mr. Heater brand, like wall mount, I don't know, radiant heaters, but they all say they're really not good for anything over like 4,500 feet in elevation. So I just looking for a recommendation is this a separate building detached yeah it's from the detached house shed in my backyard okay um, you got like a natural gas line out to it or I do because I uh, I have an outdoor kitchen I'm putting in out there so when I was doing all my infrastructure I ran the natural gas line right to the shed as well so okay beautiful, yeah, they beautiful. Have like a very small direct vent wall furnace perhaps
3: Something like that would be okay. pretty much ideal for something like that, I would think, rather than the radiant okay. one, like the hot dogs or something, I think might be a little more than what you need. But just something like a very small uh, direct vent wall furnace would probably work pretty well for you. Okay, perfect.
4: I, like, like is it run on a
3: thermostat? Yeah, you can, they can have a self-contained thermostat. I don't, I think, what did you say, 160 square feet or something? Would. What size is Yeah, this it? a 10, 10 by 16, so square feet. Oh, yeah, so I feet. would just use the one that, it'll be a self-contained thermostat. and You'd probably have an option okay. for a another thermostat, but I don't think you'd be able to put it far enough away to justify the uh, a separate thermostat.
1: Brian, would this be something that okay. just yeah, would fit between, fit between a stud bay, perhaps, and just vent right outdoors, right?
3: Right. Yeah, make sure you get one that's direct vent so you're not running a flue pipe up through your roof or anything like that. and and uh, they're pretty
4: good about that, uh,
3: using it for something like that.
4: Yeah, I need to just keep a con- – you know, at least keep it somewhat warm. I have uh, snakes that I have as pets, and they got moved out there, too, with me. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, so, sounds um, like a plan. I just – Keep them warm. Yeah. I,
1: sounds like yeah. the wife and daughter has made them mo- – got them to move out there. Is that right?
4: Yeah. Hey, I'm not complaining. I get my own space
1: out. Very, yeah, very good. Well, Jim, thanks for your call. I appreciate it. Good luck. Yeah. Hey, having a natural gas line out there is is the is the hard part, right, Brian? The rest is fairly easy. That's the sure. Get you all sorts of options. More complicated. Hey, those those April air humidifiers. You told me you sent me an email and said uh, uh, they're a little behind, slow in arriving. Is that more of this supply chain? Uh, crapola that we've been going through. Is that what's going on?
3: I wish I could tell you. I really don't know what it is. Um, I, I get mine a little more direct than maybe some of the... There might even be some that you could purchase locally here, but that's not... We get ours direct, so I think that's probably our biggest hiccup right now, but you get a significant, significantly better price, too. Um, we got a lot on order, and they kind, of, they kind of drizzle in a few at a time, so they keep promising and promising, but nobody can really tell me exactly why.
1: But there is a queue. If they you you could get somebody could call now and get on the list and oh, yeah. take them in order, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I
3: yeah. wish people weren't having to wait, but uh, yeah. we we'll go as fast as we can. We can put well, three that... or four in a day once we have them. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. I love mine. Is you know as you remember, uh, you sold it to me, and I because I, I like to do that kind of stuff and put it in. It was easy to install, but uh, you know you. I think what is your price? Five sixty five, complete, uh, ready right. to go, which is a. Uh, really great price. So yeah, I, the April Air I've always liked April Air just because it's so reliable and so easy to maintain and stuff. And, and yeah, not much um, to
3: them. They're pretty simple. And with that, they're the only ones that have this blower activation where it'll turn on the fan on the furnace on a call for humidity.
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, regardless of what the the fl- the gas itself is doing, right? It just comes right. on and off. And yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see here. We got a couple a couple of minutes to the top of the hour. You can stay for part. Can you stay for after the news for another few minutes in the first segment of the next hour? If you if we well, sure. if we ask you nicely, not have to go work. If we ask you nicely, yeah, right. You got an excuse, and your wife knows where you are anyway. Exactly. Um, I got a kick out of Jim from the Springs. <laughs> He's got a bunch of daughters and a wife, and the snakes get get to go outdoors in the in the shed. That that was a great call. That'd be a pretty um, nice I, shed. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, nothing wrong with a man cave, right? A guy needs one once in a while. Um, wh- what were we talking about? Uh, uh the, the, we've, we've gone through the 90% um, furnace thing. Uh, is it still okay? case? You and I've talked about this before. Furnaces were really poorly made in the seventies and eighties, and they're made a lot better now, but when it gets, uh, is 25 years still kind of our, uh, kind of our benchmark is about time to think about gaining a new furnace is that kind of is that still your is that still kind of your trigger for a new furnace uh, situation i see an awful
3: lot of like 1996 reams i was working on one the other day and you know she was like well i probably better get one everybody says it's that old and i just really couldn't find anything wrong with it other than one little defect on the uh induced draft motor it's like well you know be glad to put one in if you want one but for you know a couple hundred dollars you can fix this and yeah, your new one's not going to work any better, it's uh, it's just not... I think it probably depends on who you call and how much they want to charge to fix it.
1: There you go. Well, and we can get to that uh, next hour because a lot of times with my listeners, and they're loving this because you've done this for years for my listeners, and that is to do a lot of diagnoses over the phone and get the furnace running and... And that's all no charge stuff so we can talk about that So stick around Brian we'll take a break for the news and we'll get you for a few minutes on the other side uh, of the uh, of the hour okay we'll be we'll be back with Brian and your phone calls 303-713-8255 right here on around the house stick around we'll be back right after the news And it's after 5 o'clock on the Around the House program. We're glad you're with us, and we'd love it if you would uh, check in with us here at 303-713-8255 on our, on our little program here. Hour number two, we're talking to Brian Piles from Eagle Crest, Denver-based heating and air conditioning contractor, sponsor of mine. But uh, what I like about Brian is he, he just knows his stuff. He's just very good at what he does in terms of, of knowing the ins and outs of of this business and industry. Uh, <clears throat> Brian, people, you know this this is not the kind of season you start thinking about air conditioning, but um, I know you offer some great deals. If somebody wants a new furnace and uh, wants to add air conditioning, you're offering some really good good buys in in that department. And just contrary to what people, most people think, you can you can really install an air conditioner now, can't you? maybe you can't fire it up, but you can at least get it put in, right?
3: not to have open lines and uh, trying to evacuate a system. I mean, moisture is the biggest uh, enemy of uh, air conditioning or refrigeration system. And to me, it's just like, what's the point? Why am I – I mean, can you imagine being outside here uh, in the snow, trying to put in an air conditioner? we got to level the ground and put the pad down, set the unit – run our refrigerant lines, braze everything up, and now we got to evacuate the system. And we're fighting moisture. So it's just, to me, we do it a little bit different. Uh, people that are now currently getting a complete system replacement, we're doing the furnace, and then the air conditioning coil that sits on top of the furnace. We're doing all that now. And then come spring, you know, we'll come back and do the air conditioning part outside. And people say, well, that must cost more. you got to come back. And it's... Uh, really? I mean, I got to drive across town or so I don't understand. I mean, it's so much better. It, it's better for the system. It's better for us. And then why would we hook up an air conditioner now and ask you to pay for it? How do you know it works? Because
1: you, you can't, run, that, it really, can't run it when it's really can't run it when it's cold, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, whenever so, whenever we, I do some home inspection, I'm always very careful. I tell people I want it to be 65 or higher before I turn that thing on. And yeah. um, and then what if so. it was
3: 20 degrees the night before?
1: Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, I really want people to never turn their air conditioner on. I I encourage everybody to turn off the breaker for their air conditioner all winter long so that somebody doesn't accidentally, you know, go to the thermostat and flip it on. I mean, that's just terrible for the system.
1: Yeah, I'd I'd turn the breaker off, and I shroud mine, as we've talked about, with a little plastic thing from from Walmart because I think it – I just think it, they last longer. They sure look prettier if you do that. Hey, we've got a caller, Clayton in Arvada. You're on the air with Ken Moon and Brian from Eagle Crest. Hey, Clayton, what's up with you?
0: Yeah, i got a question for Brian. Um, Brian, I, I have three houses, and uh, when I'm not at one of them, uh, they're all in winter conditions. Uh, do you recommend a particular thermostat that will uh, contact me on my uh, iPhone that I know the temperature, and it would also notify me if uh, temperature has fallen below, say, 55 degrees?
3: I think you got to pick the the uh, lesser of two evils and go with either an ecobee or nest and um, just don't rely on it to be um, as dependable as, as we would like it to be. But, you know, it's better than not being able to monitor. At least you can monitor the temperature. I, I, I'll give them that. You'll be able to check it with your Wi-Fi or your phone or whatever you want to do to at least monitor the temperature, whether it'll be perfect for controlling I, I couldn't uh, promise that and then make sure that if you don't have enough wires running from the furnace to the thermostat, a lot of times you have to add another component into the furnace and A lot of people don't understand that and they'll put in just the nest thermostat without doing that and it really limits its uh, ability to control accurately. So yeah I guess pick nest or equal be either one.
0: Well I had a nest. Uh... In my Estes Park house, and uh, we had the pipes freeze because we were very disappointed with it. Uh, I donated that to uh, Habitat. So they've a got it now. Uh, you said Eco Now is that a Honeywell uh, product? Yeah, but I'll
3: tell you, it's. I'm not recommending it. I'm just saying you got to pick one or the other. I guess. I mean, there are much more sophisticated building control systems. That uh, I mean, we work with a lot of commercial applications. But, I mean, if you want something that truly does work, uh, you're you going to spend probably 9 to $1,100, I would guess, for something on a residential home uh, and tie it in interface it with a Andover system or something through your computer. But I guess, you know, for your average homeowner, the Ecobee or Nest is probably as good as you're going to get. But like well, you I've... said, you're disappointed.
0: Yeah, well, presently, I... I actually put freeze alarms in all three houses when I'm not at one. I have freeze alarms that do contact me. It's A, a couple of them are really antiquated with the mechanical thermostats, but they actually do contact me on my landlines.
3: Yeah, so I, I, that, with I that, was going to mention but, that, but so few people apparently seem to have landlines anymore. But for years and years, we used the freeze alarm, a hardwired... Um, System and it is extremely reliable. It won't control the temperature, but it will definitely notify you if it falls uh, without within uh, outside the range of which you want your temperature to be. It'll dial two or three different phone numbers for you, but right. you've got to have a, a landline. And they're still available. I think you can probably get one of those for 50 bucks.
0: Yeah, well, I I actually have them in uh, my Northfield house and I have them uh, here in my Arvada house when I'm not here. <laughs> The Estes Park house is a landline because we don't have access to uh, um, there. It's a mess with, with the internet. So, but that answers that question for me. At least I, I, I do rely on that. Actually, I've got cameras at both houses, and I've turned my thermos. I turn my temperature control modules by uh, their color uh, color printout, and I can read out and I can see what the temperature is outside and inside in the house. But that's not real. Uh, convenient because then you have to go online every day to see what the temperature is in your house and it may be too late. Guys, I haven't looked at
1: freeze alarm They're still available and extremely dependable. Yeah.
0: Well, um,
1: guys, I, I, I let, me, let me jump in here for a minute. I I haven't I have seen uh, for 40-50 bucks at Amazon, you can get a a landline uh notification notifi- vacation system, uh you know, freeze alarm. Uh, and water alarm too, if you wanted that sort of thing. Uh, do the, are they not available for cell towers? I, I I just haven't checked lately. Do you know anything about that, guys?
3: Um, I don't know. That's something I, I haven't even thought about those for so long. I've got a, I've got a couple of my own, but I've just never. It looks like they've got some Wi-Fi ones. I'm I'm going to look into that a little bit.
0: Yeah, I've looked into that. I I just am not real happy with using a. Uh, A mobile phone. I'm just not as happy. I like actually my freeze alarm calls me on my mobile phone, my emergency number,
2: corporate
0: number. So I'm good shape with that. So, but I I thought if anybody had an answer to that, it is a scary situation to have your pipes freeze, as they did Estes Park House a couple of years ago, and I still haven't got that one figured out. uh, uh, So, but I do have landlines there, so that helps me. Uh, Another question, if I may, about air conditioning, even though uh, we've owned this Arvada house since 2006. I don't think we've ran the air conditioner more than two or three times. Uh, we run it once a year to make sure it works. Good. So, uh, but I, my question is, do you recommend covering the evaporator outside, or do you think that that's a waste of time?
3: Well, to so the condenser outside, as long as you make sure you cover it with something that's breathable, it gets a lot of air circulation through it, because we don't want that corrosion from moisture, condensation getting inside there and I can always tell a unit that's been covered every year and covered nice and tight because I'll have a lot of corrosion on contacts in different parts of the system. So just make sure it's something that's breathable. So you get a lot of air circulation through it.
1: Brian, what I do, I have a cheap plastic shroud for mine, and when I get, I have a bungee cord at the bottom, and I turn it up about an inch all the way around, and I, and I think that lets a little. Uh, moisture escape I think maybe that's you recommended that to me once upon a time and I also think it probably keeps the field mice out and thing from nesting inside there uh, but yeah. yeah so yeah I mean, th- that works pretty well don't you agree I agree yep yeah yeah very good okay.
0: well I appreciate pla- your time uh, I'll have you come to my house again next year probably you're here this year so oh, okay. uh, you you're do it anytime great job
1: you and yourself Clayton thanks a lot I appreciate We'll take a quick break here, 303 713 If you have a heating and air conditioning question for an expert here uh, on the program, and we would be delighted to get you on the air as we just did with Clayton. So check in with us. We'll be right back right here on Around the House.
2: Things break around the house. That's why there's Around the House with Ken Moon.
1: 20 minutes after 5 o'clock, we're talking to Brian from Eagle, Eagle Crest. I, I couldn't um, let, you know, we'll do another uh, 10 minutes or so until the bottom of the hour, Brian, together. And I couldn't uh, let you go without discussing uh, a, a sensitive topic a little bit, and we've talked about this before. People, and I get still get emails uh, particularly from folks that you know live by themselves, and i I was told I need a new furnace to help me. What's you know what's going on? And I know you and I are on the same page here. Uh, don't put a new furnace uh, in your house uh, without getting a second opinion. And let's kick that around a little bit. What do you think?
3: Sure. Yeah, at least a second opinion. Uh, of course, your second opinion might only be as good as the first opinion, I guess. you gotta find somebody that you trust. Um, we're not in a situation yeah, yeah. where we really need to sell a furnace. I, I I can't tell you how many times we go out and uh, find a furnace that um, uh, they've been told, you know, it's going to cost a lot of money to fix this thing. Uh, uh, lady uh, uh, Beth, last week, she might even call in today. It wouldn't be surprised. I, I know she's a regular listener. She was told that she was going to have to spend, you know, about $4,000 to repair her existing furnace and yeah it's an older furnace it needed a part that was going to cost around three hundred dollars and probably another hundred bucks to put it in but there just wasn't any reason that she should have to replace that right now so it, it i think just depends mostly on who you call and how much they're going to charge to make a repair so we welcome people to call and say hey i got." Here's my situation. I've got this furnace. I think I have to replace it. And I always ask people, "Well, why do you have to replace it? What have you been told?" And they say, "Well, it needs a circuit board, and it's going to cost a thousand dollars." Well, uh, circuit boards aren't nearly as expensive as you might think. Even some of the more upper-end train circuit boards are only costing two, three hundred dollars. So it's it's you got to be careful. You got to shop around and make sure you know. And if if it's one of those outfits where they show up and they well it looks real bad but good news is i got a salesman he can be right over and he can get this set up for you and we can get you a furnace tomorrow don't sign anything just you know you're not going to freeze give me a call or give somebody that you trust a call and and get another opinion um it's usually not anywhere near as bad as you were told
1: you know, it used to be, and I don't know this is the hey, uh, help me out here, that the gas companies, the gas suppliers, if you will, whether it was public service or Colorado Springs Utilities or uh, Greeley, uh, Greeley Gas folks w- would come out. They'd send a technician out to to check your furnace, and and maybe, you know, those are the folks you could trust. Uh, if you were been told to get a new furnace, the gas company comes out and says, no, it's fine. Do did the, did the utility companies do that anymore? Is that kind of... Uh, in the past?
3: Uh, they usually won't come out unless you say you maybe you got a gas leak. Okay. I, th- I smell right. gas. Uh, and then, then they might come out and they might red tag the furnace. And some of the guys I've met are, are real uh, good, honest guys. And they say, you know, this isn't a big deal, but I still got to shut the gas off until you get this fixed. You got to have somebody come in here and fix this. Or some of them just say, oh, this thing isn't worth fixing. So I don't know. It's a good place to start if you smell gas. Always call the utility company but yeah. I wouldn't really necessarily count on them coming out and doing a real good evaluation or anything of your equipment.
1: I remember, and this is a long time ago, I lived in Pueblo for a spell, and uh, and the uh, folks down there, the I think it was public service down there, uh, they, the days when everybody had a standing uh, lit, lit pilot light, and uh, they would come out as a courtesy and light your pilot light for you in October, whenever, whenever yep. it was. I remember those people, days, but I think they're gone. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're gone too. Yeah, maybe it's a liability uh, it's, thing or something. But yeah, uh,
3: yeah, hard to find that. Well,
1: way. you know, no, I I get it. There's a lot of things that we used to do that that um, you know I kind of miss, and yep. that 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 customer service kind of thing is you know, something you can uh, it's it's behind us, but you can miss it anyway, right? So no, right. There, there you go.
3: Three oh three always do. Anytime you're having a problem with your furnace and and you call us and we can catch you on our loop for the day, what we'll do is we'll come out and I'll I'll look at your furnace, I'll tell you what's wrong, and this is what it would cost to fix it. And you might say, "Nah, I don't want to do it. I'm going to call somebody else. That's fine. We're on down the road to the next one, and that's okay. But you know what? I, I can't really think of the last time somebody told me don't do it. So and it okay. works really well, and then the homeowner isn't worried about, oh, my gosh, this guy's going to come out. He's going to charge me a $100 to tell me this and that and then try to sell me something else. We're just not like that. We don't do that. We don't need to do that. So, uh, no, I'll give you a free diagnosis. If I can't fix it on the phone, I'll give you a free diagnosis anyway.
1: It used to be, it was it, particularly amongst home inspectors that horizontal furnaces and crawl spaces, you know, the ones that are sideways, yep. would all would would uh, fail, crap out, if you will, uh, way before upright, regular, vertical ones. Is that the case anymore, or are they all pretty much the same?
3: They do have a, typically a shorter lifespan, whether it's an 80 or a 90. I really hate seeing 90 percent efficient furnaces and crawl spaces. That's the worst case scenario. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, definitely a crawl space furnace can have a shorter life. We've got moisture in the crawl space, things like that. They don't tend to get as much attention as they do if they're upstairs in the
1: basement yep. or something. So, yeah, they definitely tend to have a shorter life. There was a brand that was that's an absolute, uh, a, a, just, a, just a horror uh, for home inspectors, and that's Magic Chef. I think most of those are gone by now. Yeah, i those got a couple were... people that have those. Oh, boy. The horizontal ones. What's that? Yeah, the the horizontal versions of those, I, I've told people, make sure you get this checked every year because they just weren't known as, you know, long, they didn't have a lot of longevity with them. I don't know if it was the material they made them out of or whatever, but uh, every time I see a magic, sh- and I don't see them anymore, but apparently you do, and I tell people that you really ought to replace that when you can afford to. You know, just get it out of there. Right. So, um, And that was part of that 70s and 80s. You know, American. If you think about American cars in those days, the quality wasn't there in terms of engineering and metallurgy and and just manufacturing techniques. Uh, And uh, and furnaces and cars. I always uh, in in my head go hand in hand. There was a time in the early 80s when they were both uh, both not. As reliable as they ought to be, but most of those are gone now. Uh, You do see them occasionally. You said, huh? Yeah, I
3: got a couple regular customers that have it, and you know it's still going. When someday when they're ready, they'll they'll get a new furnace. But as long as it's burning safe, but I'll tell you, anybody, anybody, uh, well, everybody ought to have carbon monoxide detectors, of course. But if your furnace is you know 15, 20 years old or anything like that, just spend the 40 bucks and buy a really good. KID, K-I-D-D-E, uh, carbon monoxide detector, the one that plugs into the wall, got to have an LCD display on it, and it's got to have that yep. button that says peak level because that will store any event that might occur when you're not home. So every once in a while, you can just push that peak level button. Forty bucks. Put one in any room somebody's sleeping. If you got an old furnace, don't count on somebody come out and said, yep, I didn't read any carbon monoxide. Well, that doesn't mean that later on that night when it's... Heat exchanger is real hot, and you get a little separation. You
1: don't have any carbon monoxide. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not a big. If you've listened to the program, I'm not I'm not a big regulation kind of guy. I think there are way too many government, especially federal government regulations. But when we passed that carbon monoxide requirement in Colorado, I was really happy because I think I think that saved a lot of lives. It that's it sure gives you peace of mind, doesn't it? Uh, now, is that is Kittim, does Kita make that Nighthawk? Because that's the one I use, the Nighthawk brand. Is that is that Kid or is that a different company?
3: Boy, I'm not sure. If uh, I just I just know Kid, K I D D E. I love them. Yeah. I mean they, they they hold up real well and they're very dependable and they seem very reliable. I mean I can match up I, our detectors right with them and get the same readings. So I'm not sure if Nighthawk is made by Kid or not. It might be.
1: Yeah. It's well because you're describing uh, the one I have is is. Um, it uh, has a, a, a little red uh, uh, LCD readout on it, and, uh, and they may be separate brands, but you know, they're all approved by... No, here it is right here, uh, Brian. I just looked on the, my other computer here. Kitta Nighthawk carbon monoxide detector. There you go. It's, uh, it just plugs in the wall and just sits there and does its thing. And I've, uh, what's interesting about those is they have a little computer inside, and when the thing has been in service for seven years, it starts to squawk at you uh, to replace it. Yep. and um, I did that a year or two ago. It's It kept alarming and alarming, and then I looked at the little code, and it was whatever the code was about, uh, you know, it's the end of its life, which I think is pretty neat, actually.
3: Yeah, so, it might be a little bit more know. than that now, but, you know, I tell people, they say, well, I want to have somebody come out and check my furnace and make sure that I don't have any carbon monoxide. And it's usually it's like, you know, if, if I don't see anything now, I want you to save your money and go spend 40 bucks on a
1: carbon monoxide check. Yeah, here's in Amazon. I'm just looking here, Brian. Here's two Nighthawks for 69 bucks. So there, you know, there's your, there's 35 bucks each. And it, you know what? To to give your family that peace of mind, uh, it, uh, there's no better way you can spend your money for sure. Right. So hey, Brian, thanks for being with us. Uh, Brian yeah. is Eagle Crest. Is the phone number is 303-451-5607. If you have any issues with heating and air conditioning, uh, if you're a listener to the Around the House program, and of course you'd be listening. Uh, right now, uh, he won't charge you to chit-chat over the phone and sometimes get your furnace running again. So that's pretty neat. Brian... A lot of them uh, on buddy, the phone, I, so that's glad to do what's, it. What's that? I fix a lot of them on the phone. See, he's running around that's town, great. no problem. Happy Sounds good. It. Well, Brian, thanks a lot. I'll talk to you again sometime, and um, appreciate your spending time with us. You bet. Thanks for having us. appreciate it. You, you take care. Thank you. Uh, Brian from Eagle Crest, thanks for donating an hour of your time. I learned a lot and I hope you did too. We'll be right back, right here on Around the House.
2: Fix-It videos can be so confusing. Let Ken Moon help you fix things around the house.
1: 24 minutes before 6 o'clock on the Around the House program. Thank you to Brian Brian Piles from Eagle Crest for being sharing his time with us. Uh, as I said a minute ago, I learned a lot. I hope you did. Hope you did also. Uh, let's. You can. By the way, uh, I'm owe him a commercial here because it's on. You know, that's on the schedule for, for, the program. So you can give him a call at 303-451-5607. And we didn't mention this when he was on, but I love this little. It's a little advertising. A way for him to track his advertising. If you want a $50 gift card. For any of their services at Eagle Crest, just let me know you're, and it's uh, it's a freebie, a free lunch from Brian. Go to AroundTheHouse.com, click second button from the left, and say you want that Eagle Crest gift card, and uh, and I'll get it to Brian, and they'll send it around to you, and you can use it for any of their services. Especially get your furnace checked, only sixty nine bucks in the metro area. So Eagle Crest. Is the place to go for all of your heating, air conditioning issues, and he's got a deal. I didn't talk, I didn't want to turn it into an infomercial, but Brian's got a great deal on a new Rheem furnace, the same one he put in my house, two-stage, gas valve. I just love this furnace, and uh, only thirty-six hundred bucks installed for a hundred thousand BTU Rheem furnace. So, give him a call at three zero three four five one five six zero seven and ask me via AroundTheHouse.com for the fifty-dollar gift card for any of Eagle Crests services. So let's see. Oh, so last week we talked about uh, giving a little, a little pat on the back, if you will, to Pueblo, who's ultimately losing a, the Comanche coal-fired power plant southeast of town uh, that was built by public service back in, I think, 72, 73. They're going to shut it down, and, and Pueblo's saying, hey, well, why not put a nuclear power plant nuclear reactor there and we'll keep providing power to the boys and girls well uh, along comes this article in the Gazette from Kemmerer Wyoming this is a little tiny Wyoming town uh, way way west in Wyoming way way west over in the Rock Springs Gillette kind of area Uh, they've relied relied rather on coal there's a lot of coal beds over there in Wyoming western Wyoming as you know Powder River Basin Basin and all that they've relied on coal for over a century and now Bill Gates wants to change it because they're losing their power plant. So here's kind of the story. Uh, okay, this is from the Gazette. Until recently, Kemmerer was little known for anything except J.C. Penney's first store and some quarry bed, uh, fossil beds down the road. Uh, in November, Bill Gates TerraPower Company announced it had chosen Kemmerer for a non-traditional sodium-cooled nuclear reactor that will bring workers from a local Coal-fired power plant, scheduled to close soon. We'll bring those workers over. It's a demonstration project. As many U.S. states see nuclear as an answer to transition away from coal, oil, and natural gas because of greenhouse emissions. Now, you know, I'm not sure I'd buy the total greenhouse emission climate change thing. Uh, we don't even know the weather next Thursday, let alone 100 years from now. But eh, that argument we can have later. The point is, if climate change is a big issue with you, nuclear is the way to go it's a 2700 person town Kemmerer is it's changed little since the 90s but they see the Terra Power project as an economic boost because their huge Naughton power plant will close in 2025 the plant employs 230 and a mine that uh, that the mine the, the coal mine to service the plant brings that total to about 300 Kemmerer needs something or it'll become a dust bowl set of a local resident, a retired coal mine worker. Wyoming, uh, the article goes on, has the biggest coal industry in the U.S. by far. Trump won the state with some of his highest margins, almost 70% in 2016 and 20, on promises to shore up coal mining. Yet concerns about Terra Power's unusual coal-replacing nuclear plants seem few and far between. This isn't Chernobyl, said a local resident. Kermer needs... Uh, needs and I hope I'm pronouncing this Kemmerer. I guess it is hope I'm pronouncing it correctly so we need something said a local resident the US nuclear industry has been at a standstill and which is really a shame only about 20% of our power comes from nuclear and it, it, it there's a, a big you know time delay in getting nuclear plants online they're really t- time uh, it, it just takes 15 or 20 years from conception to having a nuclear plant online if you can build it based on local uh, you know local opposition and people not understanding nuclear power in the first place only one new commercial nuclear project in the Tennessee Valley uh, that's the Watts bar number two is line in the past 25 years which is just a a shame because I know they're closing a a couple of big plants one in New York State and one in California where else but this this camera reactor that Bill Gates is promoting it's cooled with liquid sodium, a metal that boils at a temperature much higher than water and solidifies it well above room temperature. Uh, much, uh, Let's see. And uh, TerraPower says its relatively small 345-megawatt plant will power 345,000 homes and be less expensive and safer than water-cooled nuclear plants, which are really high, high pressure. Uh, it's an unpressurized coolant and vents. Uh, so it's not dependent on electricity to halt the fission reaction. So it's a lot safer. Uh, Russia uses this system now, sodium-cooled reactors, and so this power thing in Wyoming could be a lifesaver for the town and a, and a, a really contributor to reducing global warming or climate change, uh, if you if you will. Project will cost up to four billion dollars, half from the Fed federal government but the cost should come down as demand for carbon free energy grows and and more a Bill Shannon and I were talking about this off the air. if you want an electric car and I'm not sure I really do but if you want one you know nuclear power to charge those batteries is the way to go so and these reactors including this one proposed for Wyoming are modular that is they're smaller and more self contained and they can be added on to as you need more as you need more power uh, and I this the nuclear power demand is going to ramp up. I just hope we can ramp up enough quickly, quickly enough with it, because renewable energy, solar and wind, are just they're just losing propositions. Uh, and uh, there's only one downside, by the way. Finish this Wyoming story. The plant's fuel for this Kemmerer reactor would need to come from Russia. Hello, of all places. It will require enriched uranium f- fuel that we don't have here. And you wonder why not more supply chain stuff? Why are we outsourcing everything to Russia and China? Uh, we were warned about this, but we do it anyway. So, have to get our uranium from Russia, and uh, you know, are they going to be mad at us when the time comes uh, because of Ukraine and other issues? Who knows? But anyway, we've got to do something. If climate change is a huge deal to you, doing something means nuclear power. I was talking. To, I had a, a meeting with. Uh, with a friend of mine uh, about my age, who's a big time bird guy, he's a bird watcher and just loves to talk about birds and 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 look for them and take field trips and all that. And he was saying that that there's a there's a story that's just not told about the the wind farms, these huge wind farms, especially when you get east of the Front Range, starting you know just east of the metro areas and going all the way through Kansas and Nebraska. He said. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of dead birds all around uh, uh, these uh, these uh, wind turbines, you know, the, uh, when they're grouped together in wind turbine farms. He said that's a little told story because they, it, they're killing lots and lots of migrating birds that just can't negotiate their way through multiple spinning wind turbines, and there are dead birds everywhere, and people just don't don't talk about it because... Uh, We don't want to say anything negative about renewable energy. Well, wind and solar, uh, long-term, not being scalable, not being reliable, is going to go away eventually unless we just keep subsidizing it like crazy. But nuclear power is the way to go. So hats off to Pueblo and to Wyoming, Kemmerer, Wyoming, for taking the lead on this. And more and more cities and towns need to get on board with nuclear power. France gets about two-thirds and many European countries get a much larger proportion of power from nuclear than we do and that's a shame because we invented it in the first place and here we are behind the eight ball, uh, big time, getting nuclear power in our lives, which is the only way to get a carbon-free future because, as we know, power is everything. We'll be right back.
2: From your faucet to your furnace, Ken Moon has solutions around the house.
1: Ten minutes before six o'clock. Ten minutes before six on the Around the House program. Programming note, next uh, week, uh, starting about uh, 4.30 or so on the show, we're going to have John Creddy, our Gardening with an Altitude guy. And John is just a great guest. We'll be talking about getting ready for for spring, and you know, maybe some pruning and looking at the seed catalog, and maybe uh, you know, you're going to start some some uh, some seeds inside, maybe in your uh, you know, in your little garden window or something like that, just to get ready. It just feels good to know that spring is you know, coming along, and it's my favorite time of year. And I, John, and I uh, will uh, will kind of help you get ready for spring and winter watering, and we'll talk about all that stuff as we always do with John Credy, So that'll be at 4.30 next week. John's a great guest, and he brings a lot of expertise to the table when it comes to gardening and your lawn, even houseplants, critters, pests, indoor and outdoor, fertilizing, all that stuff we'll talk about with John uh, at, as, as I say, about 4.30 in our third segment in the first hour next week. Uh, 303-713-8255 is our contact number here on the Around the House program. Joseph sent me an email. When we bring our cars into the garage, the dripping water runs towards the house. What can I do? Well, the uh, well, this, listen. It, it, you've had a slab move. The slab when it, the concrete slab was put in your garage, it had a slant towards the outside of the garage, which they always do. Sometimes, the slab will settle the other way, which has probably happened at your house. Uh, the dirt underneath the slab that maybe it wasn't, uh, maybe it wasn't. Uh, uh, Compacted properly, or was put in in the winter time, or something. Whatever the slab has fallen and slanted the wrong way, uh, mud jacking is the answer here. But uh, it's expensive, as we've talked about before. Mud jack they they inject a high pressure slurry under the slab and, and ease it back into position. Um, uh, we can there's there's some things we can do uh, here. One thing is to drive your uh, to drive your car onto one of those sort of car mats. You've seen, I don't know if you've seen these online. They're like a big coffee, sh- coffee uh, sheet. I'm sorry, it's co- coffee sheet. Like a cookie sheet that you you put in your oven. There's a lip all around around the outside that can catch those drips. And they're not terribly expensive, but they're rubberized plastic you drive onto. The, the material from your car falls and is captured by the big cookie sheet and just sits there and evaporates. Uh, otherwise, you can get some... Uh, four inch landscaping timbers you know those rounded timbers you use around the edges of gardens and so forth um, you can use those to make kind of a little cofferdam around uh, where you park to catch the water so it doesn't flow uh, towards the house and of course uh... It, it's just just a pain to have that sort of puddle uh... In the garage slab next to the house but you make sure that that is well caulked with water that does wanna creep in there and get next to the house on that garage floor you want to make sure you put a big goop of, of caulking, uh, exterior caulk. You can get poly seam seal, any of the really reliable polyurethane-based caulking that you can put to hold up uh, that water from getting, you know, under the slab and under the foundation and stuff. But there's a couple of answers for. It. There's no real good answer without without doing the mud jacking. But that, as I say, gets pretty. Expensive. Michael says, "I have a bunch of daughters uh, in the house, and and so naturally we're always running out of hot water. How can I add another 40 gallons worth? Well, uh, I'll bet you run out of a lot of things besides hot water, like money, maybe with all those uh, young daughters. But no, I get the idea. Especially when they become teenagers, they uh, they do tend to take long showers, don't they?" But you can ask a heating contractor, like Brian at Eaglecrest about this. The limiting factor is the diameter of the flue that goes up to the roof. So uh, you can ask him, uh, you know, if it's big enough. Uh, they're in special tables they look up this uh, these factors on. If it's large enough to accommodate a second 40-gallon water heater, or maybe you can get a 75-gallon brand-new one instead of take out the 40 you have now and get 175, that could work or maybe you can add a second forty just you'll have to a heating contractor can tell you in just two or three minutes if the flue is big enough uh, that um, to accommodate it because you just can't automatically add it without doing the calculations because you might get fumes backing up into the house Um, you could also install an electric water heater as a as a preheat it's kind of pricey to run but the beauty of, of, of that is you can turn it on and off. Maybe when there are fewer uh, daughters at home, they, they go away uh, you know, to college and that kind of thing. You can turn off that electric preheater uh, and just let water go right into the uh, gas water heater you have now. So that's another that's – another, uh, preheating really does help with, with – so you, you, if you preheat with an electric water heater or an additional – 40-gallon gas water heater, you'll never run out of hot water. Preheating is a, a big deal. So you, there's a couple of possibilities for you, but uh, it's, it's just something that um, you're going to have to get a heating contractor involved to make sure that that flue is accommodating because you just don't want to do it without asking somebody. Let's see what else we have here. What do we have? What do we have? What do we have? This is from um, Terry. Terry just moved my refrigerator and found sort of a scorch mark on the linoleum. Is this dangerous? Well, usually not. The spot almost indicates, almost always indicates where the that compressor is. The compressor is the hot part uh, of the refrigerator cycle. It, 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 normally it runs very hot. That's why we have a fan back there to blow cold air and cool it down a little bit. So the glossy layer of the linoleum under the fridge responds chemically, and changes to that deep brown color you're asking about. So it's, it's not so much of a scorch mark as it is kind of a heat reaction. Uh, of course, um, you want to minimize uh, the heat under your fridge no matter what. It, uh, once a year or so, you want to unplug it and then pull it out so you can crawl back there and look. And you'll see a whole bunch of dust uh, under and around and on top of the of the compressor because that fan just sucks there are almost 24 7 blows it through there and you get it just gets picks up dust from the floor uh, from your kitchen floor so what you do is you unplug the fridge get your shop back with a soft like a, a you know like a, a, a soft brush that you might use on on furniture and get all that dust out of there you might need to wipe the blades with a little Windex and water be careful you don't want to bend them because then you'll get uh, issues with you know, rubbing and uh, blades will interfere with each other. So just be very careful with those delicate blades on the compressor fan. But get all that stuff out of there with your shop vac, whatever it takes uh, to, to clean out all that dust back there, and your refrigerator will run more efficiently absolutely after that. And then you go around to the front, shove it back into its opening, uh, and then pull the toe kick off the front and clean all that out. There'll be an evaporator tray under there. It'll be full of dust and crud because it stays wet a lot of the time, and uh, and so it'll it'll pick up crud from the floor. And it pull that tray out, take it over to the sink and scrub it out. And there'll be dust in the front there too that you can grab with your uh, handy dandy shop vac. So cleaning both the the front and back of the refrigerator down in the lower parts of the fridge. Uh, that's a big deal because it's it, it just is, is something you just need to do at least, uh, at least once a year. Eh, twice a year is even better. But, no, that scorch mark is not a scorch mark. It's more of a heat reaction. It's no big deal. Well, that's all she wrote for the program. Remember, John Creddy next week in our first hour about 4.30. Shannon Scott, thanks for your help in the control room. Hope you have a great week. Stay warm. God bless you, and we'll see you next time. Same time, same station, right here on Around the House.